Good morning, everybody. Hope uh, you guys are doing well. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today, but it's a little bit of an overcast here, and I'm hoping that it doesn't get dark like we had a, a couple weeks ago. Um, this morning, I, I've been stewing on this for this message for quite some time, and what we're going to be kind of diving into is um, this whole entire teaching and phrase that you hear thrown a lot around Christianity today, and that's that's that phrase "born again." And so I want to kind of dig into that doctrine, what it is, what it isn't, and really just kind of open up God's word and let let the word of God kind of explain itself. So um, I'm going to actually, if you guys have your Bibles, uh, we're going to read the first three verses, um, and then I will pray. We'll, we'll jump into a song or two, and then we will proceed with that message, uh, born again. So uh, if you guys have your Bibles or your tablets or on your phone, uh, I think a lot of the phones nowadays, you can actually leave the video up. I don't know. Uh, you'll have to let me know. But uh, we're in John chapter 3. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and he speaketh to Nicodemus here, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, let's, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the holy scriptures. We thank you for all scripture that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. And that the man of God may be, truly, may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, God. Uh, we pray this morning as those that are coming from all walks of life, and that we just have just a readiness, eagerness, a hunger, Lord, for the truth, and that nothing but the truth. I pray that you would lead us this morning as we just give thanks and praise and all glory to you for all that you've done for us. We thank you so much for the resurrection. We thank you for sending your Son to die for our sins on the cross at Calvary being buried and risen, risen up the third day for our justification, making us right with you, God. What an incredible peace that we have. What incredible grace that we have. We love you. Pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. What an amazing, amazing truth that we can claim as the church, the body of Christ. <laughs> Not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by the grace of God we've been saved. Hallelujah. All right, so um, let's get started. First off with some welcome and announcements. I'll just be honest, it's a little bit hard to kind of keep up uh, with all the names. But uh, I'll just want to encourage you to just... Drop a comment. Let us know where you're from. 
You, you have no idea who's tuning in and watching in right now. You have no idea who's going to tune in later. But you might just be surprised that there actually might be some believers in your fellow area that you might be actually able to fellowship with. So I uh, encourage you to do that. A couple other announcements that we have. Uh, I've been getting a lot of requests, and this is just a personal thing. Um, uh, a friend requests on uh, on Facebook. Typically, I, I don't accept people that I have like no connections with. But I know that since we've been broadcasting in all these different uh, mediums, YouTube, BitChute, Library, all this stuff, uh, if you could do me a favor, if you could just shoot me an email, alex.blingit at gmail.com. Just shoot me an email saying, hey, Alex, uh, just so your head's up, I, I want to send you a friend request on Facebook. Please accept. That just lets me know because there's bots out there. There are people that are trying to do scams and phishing schemes. All of that's everywhere. And I do know that there are people that actually want to be able to turn, uh, tune in live for, and join with us through the Facebook uh, live stream. And I'm hoping that within uh, the months to come, I'll be able to figure out a way to kind of live stream to all those areas so that you can be a part of this, you know, as we're kind of jumping in the scriptures. Um, another announcement, Tennessee River Bible Conference. This was scheduled to be near the end of June. Uh, I got notification that that has been postponed. And so wanted to kind of let you guys know that ahead of time. I spoke with Brother uh, Mark Gabert. Unfortunately, uh, we're not going to be doing that during those dates, but there is talks about doing a mini-conference. I'll let you know when I kind of get those details. But wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, let's see. Obed and I have been talking. Just so you're aware, we are already having conversations now about re rebooting back up, meeting on Sundays at Soundwords Bible Church in Franklin. Uh, they're off of 65 inside Impact Sports. So uh, conversations are beginning uh, for those of our local members that join with us. Uh, just keep an eye out. I'll be shooting either a message on Facebook or, or through uh, text. Let, let you know, hey, we're, we're meeting. And for those who, who feel free up for that, and obviously we'll be practicing social distancing and all those things. Um, and Thursday nights, same thing applies uh, for our Bible study that meets uh, with the Kirkpatricks. Uh, let's see. I think that's all I have for now. And so we're going to be talking about born again. And, and kind of before I kind of jump into that, I, I've been getting a lot of questions kind of through all the different places. I just want to say, guys, I see your questions. Thank you. Keep asking questions. These are great. And uh, I'm trying my best to kind of stay on top of answering all those questions. But m more importantly, I'm probably just going to kind of take these questions and kind of build them into these messages because it kind of gives me a good, a good idea of kind of where we need to go and, and what are some things that are on people's minds and hearts and what, we, what, could, what do the scriptures have to say about it. So keep those questions coming. And uh, today what we're going to be kind of discussing is the doctrine of born again. Doctrine, remember, doctrine is just teaching, all right? Now... There's a couple things that I want to address before we jump into this message. All right, uh, my my intent here is absolutely no means to shame, belittle, embarrass, not that at all. All right, you know that. Just want to kind of give that disclaimer. I, I really want to examine what the scriptures say, and I, I I want to tell you up front. There's been a lot of things that. In my first eight, nine years as my walk as a believer, I got a lot of things wrong and I made a lot of mistakes. 
and there was a lot of doctrines that I kind of freely accepted without truly examining the scriptures. What does God's word have to say? Not only does it have to, what has, what does it have to say, but is it truth that's being? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? Stuff that is applicable for today. So if you've been with us through you know the the past thirteen weeks, we've gone through a whole entire series titled "No Other Doctrine." And what we did was we basically went through those 13 epistles of the, that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote, the only Apostle of the Gentiles. Now, for the sake of today's teaching, hang with me here. I want you to completely, right here from Romans through Philemon, and, and pretty much the book of Acts, all right? The way your New Testament, if you saw that video that I released, how your New Testament's laid out. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. Romans through Philemon, Hebrews through Revelation. I want you, for today's message, all these truths that we know, I want you to just completely kind of set to the side. Don't think about it. All right? There's, there's a reason, there's a, there's a purpose why I'm asking you to do this up front. Because what we really need to understand as we, as we begin to dive into these scriptures is context. The context of John chapter 3. Where are we at in the Bible? What truth has been revealed up to this point? Because when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only truth that's been revealed up until this point is Genesis through Malachi, those 39 books of the Old Testament. All right? Jesus Christ is in the flesh here. He hasn't gone to the cross at Calvary yet. He hasn't died for the sins of the world. There is no revelation of the mystery at this point. We are simply just going to jump in a time capsule, I guess you'd say. Jump in a time capsule with me. We're going to go back to this time, and we're going to observe what's going on in the Scriptures at that point in history. And I think as we dive into the Scriptures, things are just going to kind of work out itself. I had someone ask me a question, you know, uh, born again, is it for today? No. I'm going to tell you up front, no. Born again, you're not going to see the phrase born again mentioned once in Paul's epistles. If anything, you see we've been quickened. Ye who were once dead in trespasses and sins, you've been quickened with Christ, meaning we've been made alive. And so, had to kind of give that beginning as we jump in. So with that, let's pick back up. Let's go back into John chapter 3. I want you to kind of put your bookmarker there. All right, if you have your little Bible, and I strongly advise that you have a Bible, specifically King James Bible. If you don't have one, it's okay. Uh, So put your marker in John chapter 3. Before we jump into John chapter 3, I do want to read one thing out of Paul's epistles, and that's pretty much it. That's all we'll see, and I might quote things from there to kind of help understand these things, but just hang with me, all right? So first, first things first. Let's go to Colossians. Keep your bookmarker in John chapter 3. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 8. Now, this is why I'm sharing one thing out of Paul's epistles, and then we're going to completely just say, all right, now we're going to put everything aside. This is the one verse I want to read. All right, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul writes to the Colossians, Beware, lest any man spoil spoil you with philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, 
and not after Christ. All right, so Paul, remember, I told you four times you can see the word beware. It's all dealing with men. And what's he telling them to be careful? Don't be spoiled, meaning don't let man spoil. Don't let man make money off of you. Don't let man deceive you, all right? And how are they deceiving? Philosophy. Philosophy, it's, it's reason, it's thought, it's human intellect. Uh, vain deceit, empty words, uh, traditions of men. Jesus Christ had some things to talk about traditions of men, and it was never good because it's always against the commandments of God. Israel was forsaking the, the commandments of God and teaching doctrines of men. It's usually religion. That's where you get religion from, traditions of men. And, verse, and, and after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. All these things are not after Christ. All right, so with that said, let's go to John chapter 3. There's four things that I kind of want to address. I want to address the traditions of men. I want to address the air that happens with the traditions of men in this particular doctrine with born again. Uh, what it really is, according to the scriptures and the new covenant. Now, you know, as I was kind of going through this topic, I, I was, you know what? Let me just kind of throw on the Google machine. Let's see what born again, what, what's the world teaching, right? And usually the teaching, teaching, they always will read this passage of scripture and they'll, they'll dive in, they'll highlight verse 3, you got to be born again, and they'll talk about spirit and, and water, like Jesus talks about, and then they'll add things to what Jesus, and they'll say, well, what he really means is, you need to repent, you need to have a change of heart, you, you need to confess your sins, uh, you need to dedicate your life to Jesus, that's what Jesus was saying in John chapter 3, and I'll just straight up tell you, I don't see anything, anything mentioning of repenting, changing of the heart, or dedicating your life at all in this passage of Scripture. And of course, John chapter 3 is a big chapter because later, right after this, this is when Jesus quotes John 3.16, and a lot of the world today thinks that, thinks that the, that is the gospel. And there's a, this, I got to tell you right now, this is another gospel that's being preached. And people are confused about this. So I'm hoping by the end of this message, that confusion will kind of be cleared out. And for some of you, this might actually be a hard message to hear. Uh, being wrong is not something that anyone enjoys. It, it, it's kind of, I had to swallow my pride when I first realized, oh my gosh, I was wrong with this. So let's kind of jump in. We're in, uh, let's see. Where I want to go. All right, so we, we acknowledge the traditions of men, right? People taking this passage of Scripture and then kind of just going everywhere, all the place with it. A couple other things that we need to address. We need to address the air in that, all right? I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold John chapter 3. I told you to put the book mic there. There's a couple other things we need to read. Matthew chapter 22. Let's hang a left. Going to the left. Three books. Matthew chapter 22. I realize that I have to lay, lay some framework before we get to John chapter 3, and I got ahead of myself. So Matthew chapter 22, notice what it says in verse 29. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Now, in the context of this passage of Scripture, the Sadducees, so you got Pharisees and Sadducees over here. Those were... Jewish sects of their religion. Sadducees, 
They did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see? That was a bad joke. Sadducees, all right? Now, Jesus, they're questioning Jesus about marriage and the resurrection. And he tells them, Jesus responds to him in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, to them there's the Sadducees, ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. So three things I kind of want to address here. In verse 29, could you imagine? All right, time capsule, jump. I want you to imagine you're a Jew now, okay? You're a Jew. You're, you're asking Jesus a question. Jesus Christ in the flesh and about the resurrection. And Jesus Christ says, ye do err. Ooh, that's not, that probably was a little bit hard to hear, do you think? Ye do err. Why did they err? Err, meaning they're in the wrong. Because, two things, they didn't know the scriptures. And number two, they didn't understand the power of the God. And the power of God is the resurrection. That's the power of God. God is a God of the living, not a God of the dead. We serve the living and true God. All right? There's no other living God in this world. In verse 31, But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read? That ties in with not knowing the scriptures, right? Anytime anyone's in the air, when it comes to the Bible, it's either they haven't, they don't know the scriptures or they haven't read it, and they don't know the power of God. The power of God and the salvation, according to Paul's gospel, is the gospel of Christ. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. You simply believe in that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and resurrected? Guess what? That's the power of God to save you. And then quickens you. You've been quickened with Christ in that moment. Sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. Now, verse 32. Look what Jesus said. I am the God of Abraham. Who's Abraham? You guys know Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has father. Father Abraham. Abraham. Abram. So you got to keep in mind, you got two guys over here. The first man was Adam, right? Sin. And death entered through Adam, through his disobedience, that one command that God gave him. Now, there are about roughly 2,000 years between Adam to Abram. Now, from Adam to Abram, you need to understand, God had not called out and made a covenant with any man yet. He made that covenant with Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and said, Of thy seed, all the nations will be blessed. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob, his name, was changed to Israel. That's where Israel, the the name change happened there. And from Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel, 
All right? That's important. That's extremely important. Jesus right now, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who's he saying that he's the God of? He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Is he saying that he's the God of the Gentiles over there? No. No. He's not. And I want you to see this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're hanging on the far left. We're going over the very beginning of the book. Genesis 35. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want, I want, I want you to see the scriptures. Genesis 35 verse 10. Now God is speaking to Jacob. He appears unto him. Verse 39, verse, uh, Genesis chapter 35, verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Pendanaram. I probably butchered that. And blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called Jacob no anymore, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. All right, jump to verse 22. And it came to pass... When Israel, his name's changed, it's no longer Jacob, it's Israel now. 22, when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bela and his father concubine, and Israel heard it, now the sons of Jacob were 12. And I'm not going to read the rest of those verses. And then he lists those 12, that's where the 12 tribes come from. That's where the 12 tribes of Israel came from. That's why when Jesus came to this earth, how many apostles did he select? Twelve. Twelve apostles for the twelve tribes of Israel. In fact, Jesus told Peter and, and the, the, the twelve, they said, we've forsaken all, what are we going to do? You know, and he said, trust me, you're going to sit on those, the, the twelve thrones, you're going to ju- judge the twelve tribes of Israel. It's important for you to know. Remember I told you, disregard all this. Paul is not identified with the twelve. There's a reason. He was disqualified from the gospel of the circumcision. Why? Because he was a blasphemer of the Holy Ghost. He blasphemed the Holy Ghost with that group at, in Acts chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen. Man, I've got to try my best to stay out. This is challenging to try and not remember. I'm talking to myself. None of this stuff's revealed. We're staying over here. All right. Uh, let's see. Now, you need to understand one of the names God had in the Old Testament. Ninety times you read in the Bible, He's the God of Israel. 90 times. Look it up. Look at it. I want to just show you three of them. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah. We're going to hang a right. Isaiah chapter 48. I'm laying some framework. We need to understand these 39 books so that when we get to John chapter 3, you have a clear understanding of the context of what's going on there. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 1. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob. (laughs) Pay attention to the next couple words. Which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth, nor in righteousness. I'm not going to dive into it, but point being, God of Israel. 
right? That's the name title that he carried. Another question I had was, was God biased in times past? And, you know, that, that was another, I'm going to have to address that just in itself. This quick answer is yes. If you wanted to be saved over here, I'm talking before Jesus' day, before Jesus Christ here, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you had to bless Israel. You had to be circumcised. If you were circumcised, then you would be saved. If you were uncircumcised, then you'd be cut off from the land. That plot over there in the Middle East, that's the inheritance of Israel. That's what they're looking for, the new Jerusalem, the restora- restoration of the kingdom of Israel. That's what they're looking for. And we talked about that in, in the First Thessalonians. Now, Let's go to Ezra. We're going to hang a left. Ezra, chapter 7. It's just a few books. You should hit it. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 15. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 15. And to carry the silver and gold, which the king and his counselors have freely offered unto who? The God of Israel, whose habitation is in where? Jerusalem. Now keep in mind, this is all this is this is in this is in the Old Testament. This is how God operated in those days. When they finally when when God brought them, delivered them from Egypt, brought them into that land, set up judges, set up kings, they built the temple. There was the most holy of holy places. That's where the God of Israel dwelled until they just kept not listening to God. They went a whoring after their idols made up their own doctrine, which is, I believe, the Church of the Body of Christ is making the same, same, same mistakes that Israel did. So we're no better than they. And, and God dwelt in the temple back in the day. But today, oh man, I'm trying to not talk about this. We are the temple. God's dwelling in people today. It's amazing. All right. Remember, this isn't revealed now. Forget that. Put that aside for now. Matthew chapter 15. Now we're now we're in the new, now we're now we're finally getting here, all right? One last scripture. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Now this is after Christ tells that Gentile woman, "I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Called her a dog in verses uh, 26. But I'm not going there. This is right after that. I want you to look at verse 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into the mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many other, and cast them down at Jesus' feet and healed them. And I just want to make a side note. When Jesus healed people, it was immediately, it was straight away. All right? Verse 31. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified who? The God of Israel. So, why, I, why we just spent all this time leading up to it is so you can understand that God is the God of Israel at this point in time. He's not a God of peace. He's not a God of the nations. He's the God of Israel at this point in time. And a lot of people struggle with Matthew 15 when they, they read that passage of Scripture when Jesus says, I'm not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And we're going to explore what all that means here. You know, and I, 
I could understand because it was really hard for me to understand at first because I had a lot of things that were taught to me that were wrong. And I had to unlearn a lot of stuff and I had to get in the Word, the Scriptures in the King James Bible, and it straightened out everything. Everything clicked and made sense. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. And if there's confusion about this that you're struggling with, that's, that's a spiritual thing that you're having to deal with. Believe the Word of God, what it says, to whom it says it to you. Dive into it. Alright? So we've discussed the traditions of men, the air. Now, now we're going to jump in. Now we're in John chapter 3. Alright? John chapter 3. We're going to read the first ten verses. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees. Alright, so this is a Jewish man. He's a Pharisee, doctor of the law. Named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. Now, why was Jesus doing miracles? Oh, man. This is actually a lot harder. Jews require a sign. They need signs and wonders. Jesus tells them in John later, except ye see signs, you will not believe. So Jews needed those miracles to, to believe. Forget all this. This stuff hasn't been revealed. Probably sound like a broken record, but there's a point. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and where the, whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Alright, so, born again. That, 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 that term born, it, it, it can have multiple meanings, right? When a child is birthed, they're born. Uh, it could also mean be brought to life. And, uh, you know, Really, kind of what's going on here is Jesus, you got to keep in mind, he's just speaking to a Jewish man right now. And he called Nicodemus out in verse 10. He said, Aren't thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? When you look at that term born, do a word study on it. Look how many times you see the word born or born again in the scriptures. And you'll be surprised. Guess where it's not mentioned once? Not over here, but. That's not part of this message. We're not in here. You don't find it anywhere in Paul's epistles. Born. Nicodemus, you are a master of Israel. Don't you know these things? What, what was Nicodemus supposed to know that Jesus was telling him? I believe what Nicodemus was supposed to know was the Scriptures. 
the scriptures over here. And what did the scriptures over there talk about born again? What, 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 what did it have to say about it? Hold this. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66. Notice what it says in verse 8. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Israel is going to be resurrected at once. And they're going to... God's going to restore all those years, a thousand years, that the Gentile nations basically ate up from them. God's going to restore that nation. And yes, we're in the age of mystery. Grace has been... All right, so 2,000 years from... Side note. 2,000 years from Adam to Abram. 2,000 years from Abram to the time of Jesus and Paul. And now we're 2,000 years out and we're, we're here right now. Just wanted to give you that. By Bible standpoints, you just go and you just read all of the linea- all of the years. All right, Giving you ballpark. So don't take that to the bank. Where was I at? We were in Isaiah 66, verse 8. So, so there's going to be a, a time when that nation of Israel is going to be resurrected. They're going to be born at once. And that time is prophesied by the prophet Ezekiel. So let's go there. So Jesus says, You're, that Nicodemus, thou art a master of Israel. Don't you know this? Don't you know that, na- that nation's going to be born at once, according to Isaiah 66, verse 8? And let's go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. And we're going to get some great insight, and this basically summarizes the whole entire Old Testament for you. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. And we're going to do some reading in here, starting in verse 17. Now this is the prophet Ezekiel. And God, the Lord, is speaking through him, right? Son of man, when the house of Israel, these guys over here, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, that plot over there in the Middle East, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. Right there, I'm just going to tell you that's why Jesus Christ said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were scattered amongst the nations. And you're going to read right now. We're going to keep reading. Verse 22. Therefore, say unto who? The house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whether ye went. Jump to verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out from all countries. Christ, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel gather you out from all countries, and bring you into your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water. What did John the Baptist do when he came? He baptized them, right, with water. Sprinkling water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. 
Will I cleanse you? Why do they need to be cleansed? Priests need to be cleansed. That promise to Moses, you're going to be a kingdom of priests, a nation. All your filthiness from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh. And I will give to you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statues. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people. And I will be your God. Alright, so let's go to Ezekiel 37. What we just read there was God prophesying things that he's going to do. And he hasn't done this yet. This has been, if you take these books out, just take them out. And you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what they're looking for. That's what these Jews were, they were looking to be restored. They were looking for the new covenant where God was going to remember their sins no more. All right? Hang with me. Hang with me. All right? I know this might uh, be some deeper material. It might be a little bit hard to understand. It's all right. Just hang in there. Now, Ezekiel 37, what's going to happen, and I'm not going to read all of it, but the Lord carried Ezekiel out, and he's going to be put, placed in the midst of a valley of dry bones, all right? And, and God's going to question him, can these dry bones live, son of man, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel's like, Lord, that, you, you know. And I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time. And what happens is God tells him to prophesy of the bones, and then as he prophesies, the bones uh, basically come up, and you see bones joins the bone, the bone connect to the... And then all that stuff happens, right? And then before he knows it, there's basically this army in front of the prophet Ezekiel. And then he tells them to prophesy again. And then what happens is then the Spirit of God comes into that great army and they're made alive. Brought to life. Born again. See where I'm going with this? All right, uh, Ezekiel. So I, that's basically, I'm summarizing Ezekiel 37, 1 through, through 10. Now, pay attention to verse 11. It's going to tell you who he's talking about in this passage of Scripture. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, our hope is lost, we are cut off for our parts. Therefore, prophesy and say unto them, the whole house of the Israel... Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Jump to verse 14. And I shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then ye shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Jump to verse 21. And say unto them, the whole house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall 
be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, whether shall they divide into two kingdoms any more. There's a division between the north and the south. I'm not going to go there. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor their detestable things, nor of any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So they shall be my people and I will be their God. So these are all things that God was prophesying looking into the future for the house of Israel. And this ties in like it's hand in glove with the new covenant, all right? The old covenant was given through Moses, all right? And through you had a, you had a few guys, you had Abraham, you had David and and you had Moses. There were a bunch of covenants made with them. And it was like you could summarize them all under the old covenant and I I'm, I'm not trying not to get too scatterbrained here. But I want to explain what the new covenant is because that Old New Covenant, hold, body of Christ, we're not in a covenant right now. All right? There's no mention of covenant over here, but that's not the point. Let's forget these books just for now. Put, put it in the box. I'm talking to myself. Old New Covenant, Jeremiah 31. Go to the left. Jeremiah chapter 31. Look at verse 31 through 34. Now, these are going to tie in with this whole entire born-again nation, Israel. All right, let's read. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with you, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I just want to make sure you understand everything that we've been discussing so far. There's not one mention of the Gentiles except for the heathen that the Israel was scattered in. This is God dealing with Israel. And with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out, took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So what covenant are they talking about? It's talking about the covenant of the law that was given to Moses. Which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with who? The house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law. Now this is the new covenant. This is what it is. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 2. This is after after Calvary, all right? And Peter's taking the reins as the apostle to the circumcision. He's speaking to the men of Israel. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. And in Acts chapter 2, after explaining to them that, look, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, 
when he was determined to let him go, but ye denied that holy one, and the just desired a murderer. I'm in verse 14. I just realized it jumped right in. Be granted on you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are all witnesses. And these men, they basically get pricked in their hearts. And let's just... Uh, I'm in the wrong... I'm not even in the right chapter. Wow. I was in, in Acts chapter 3 there. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. Now when they, the whole house of Israel, heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go to Acts chapter 3. Notice what it says in verse 19. He just explains a little bit further. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When? When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So we discussed that that old covenant and the new covenant was going to be a time where God's going to remember their sins no more. This fits perfectly with what Peter's saying here in Acts chapter 3. The book of Hebrews acknowledges it. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hang on right. These are after Paul's epistles, after the mystery. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. And then he's going to basically quote Jeremiah 31. It just fits perfectly. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be my people. Remember, this is all just the house of Israel. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And he that saith, A new covenant he hath made, the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old, talking about that covenant with Moses, is what? Is ready to vanish away. Now, these were all things written before Paul's epistles. The mystery of Christ was not revealed yet. There was no, we had none of this stuff. That's why when you get to Paul's epistles and you get to Colossians, he says a dispensation of God has been given to me to fulfill the word of God. Paul's epistles completed the Bible. And this is the most fundamental rightly dividing thing that you can take away from this message, you need to understand how to rightly divide the mystery from prophecy. Prophecy has everything to deal with that nation of Israel. And it wasn't until you start reading into the book of Acts, you get to 9, Acts 9, that's saving us all, and then 13 through 28, and then Romans who Philemon. You start seeing God unfold this marvelous mystery that God actually had a plan to save these Gentiles 
that were basically aliens, strangers from all these things that we've talked so far about of the Old Testament. Because God was just dealing with the house of Israel, that nation. It was a mystery. Someone, I told you earlier, they're like, so God was biased in times past. He didn't know about other, other nations. Yes, God knew about the other nations. Yes, of course he did. But God had a secret. And you read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. All right, we're going into Paul's epistles. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 7. Paul writes, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world began, before all these things that we just read and talked about, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. You need to understand that ever since Satan sinned in heaven, there's been this epic battle between light and darkness. And ever since that cursing of that serpent and, and that prophecy that God spoke about, the, the seed of thy woman bruising his head, he's been trying, Satan's been trying to undermine God at every step of the way. It's, it's been like a chess battle from Genesis all the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's why you see him try and corrupt the world where it made God repent that he even created man because every, every thought in their mind was wickedness. And you get to, to, to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and King Herod tried to basically kill the Messiah, killed all those firstborns up in a certain age. And that filled that prophecy over there. And then Satan in, in Luke chapter 4 says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Bow down and worship me, and I'll give them to you. That's basically what Satan said. And what did Jesus say? No, he didn't. So then what was Satan's next plan? You know what? He's been a liar, father of lies, a killer from the beginning. His next plan? You know what? I'm going to kill Jesus. I'm going to kill their Messiah. So he crucified him there. Thought he'd won. Satan thought right there that that was checkmate. But then three days later, God raised him from the dead. And, and you can read about the manifold wisdom of God in the book of Ephesians and all of these unsearchable riches of Christ there. Praise God for what he's done. Praise, he's done such great things for us. It is absolutely mind-boggling. And when you get to Ephesians chapter 2, let's go there, Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll wrap things up. There's still some more things I wanted to get to, but I let this sink. Chew on this for a little bit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There's a colon there. Verse 4. According as He hath chosen us, those that are now saints of the Most High God, those that have placed their trust in the death, burial, resurrection for their sins. As He's chosen us in Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Before God, before Adam sinned, before God called out Abram, changed His name to Abram, made Him a promise, a covenant of promise. Before God 
made those 12 nations and before God did all of these things, He chose us in Him before the foundation that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Jump to Ephesians 2. Here's why. Ephesians 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time, in times past, ye were without Christ, being aliens from that commonwealth of Israel, being strangers from that covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye, all of us today, who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Wow! Think about that. This whole entire message up in this point, I haven't even talked about Paul's epistles and, and the Gentiles because it was just God dealing with that nation Israel. So we've talked about born again. Who is it for? Born again is for the nation of Israel. God is going to resurrect th- that nation of Israel, and I might have to do a follow-up message here, in t- the ages to come. We'll be out of here when that happens. We're not born again today. We're quickened, and we'll end with that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened. Quickened is to be made alive, made one with Christ, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past ye walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So, if you're listening today and you've been teaching people that they need to be born again, I strongly advise that you stop doing that. It, 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 it is not what God is, that's not a part of the program for the church, the body of Christ, and it's creating confusion for people. We've been saved by grace. That's what you read in verse 8. Just keep reading. Born again is not for today. This might be a message that might be hard for some people to learn, but don't take my word for it. I strongly advise you go search all these scriptures that we just talked about today. Examine yourself, whether you not be in the faith. All right. I think uh, I went a little bit over today. It was a lot of material, but I thank you guys for uh, staying, staying in this far. Let, let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the incredible inheritance that we have that you've made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Pray for all those that are tuning in uh, into this message, whether it's now or a later time, God, that they would examine these things and, and draw a conclusion for themselves, whether or not born again is something that should be taught today. And I just pray that wherever the church, the body of Christ is going, that we make it very clear, very plain and simple what the gospel is, that it's just Christ dying for our sins, being buried and resurrected the third day, and just placing our faith and trust in you, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful ministry that you've entrusted us as ambassadors 
of Christ and stewards of the mystery. Pray this all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, guys. Thank you so much. Hope you have a wonderful week.